This podcast contains subject matter that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. So I want to start out this episode by saying happy Halloween. I wasn't sure that we would be able to reach our goal of putting out an episode every single day. But here we are on the final episode of the 31 Days of War. And I just want to say thank you to everyone and anyone who has listened. All the way from the United States to India, Australia, Canada, the United Kingdom, Norway, Italy, Thailand. Thanks to each and every one of you. It means so much to me that you tuned in and spent even just a little bit of your time with me. So seeing as this is the finale of the 31 Days of War, I wanted to do something a little special for this episode. I figured that I would cover the godfather of creepypasta. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our telling of Jeff the Killer, hosted by user Cessier to Unknown. It's time to open the door in your mind. Sit back and listen to true horror. But be careful what you allow in. Because it's time to go through the fog. Ominous Unknown Killer is still at large. After weeks of killings, the Ominous Unknown Killer is still on the rise. After little evidence has been found, a young boy that states he survived one of the killer's attacks bravely tells his story. I had a bad dream, and I woke up in the middle of the night. I saw that for some reason the window was open, even though I remember it being closed before I went to bed. I got up and shut it once more. Afterwards, I simply crawled under my covers and tried to go back to sleep. That's when I had a strange feeling. Like someone was watching me? I looked up and nearly jumped out of my bed. There, in the little ray of light illuminated from between my curtains, were a pair of two eyes. They weren't regular eyes. They were dark, ominous eyes. They were bordered in black and just plain out terrified me. That's when I saw his mouth. A long, horrendous smile that made every hair on my body stand up. The figure stood there, watched me. Finally, after what seemed like forever, he said it. A simple phrase, but said in a way that only a madman could speak. He said, Go to sleep. I let out a scream, and that's what sent him at me. He pulled up a knife, aiming at my heart. He jumped on top of the bed. I fought him back. I kicked. I punched. I rolled around trying to knock him off me. That's when my dad busted him with his 12-gauge shotgun. He aimed it at the man and he almost got him. But before he could pull the trigger, the man had leaped to the side. The man threw the knife in a bowie knife style into my dad's shoulder. He let go of the gun. The man probably would have finished him off if one of the neighbors hadn't alerted the police. They drove into the parking lot and ran towards the door. 
The man turned and ran down the alley. I heard a smash, like glass breaking. As I came out of my room, I saw the window that was pointed towards the back of my house was broken. I looked out at it to see him vanish into the distance. I can tell you one thing, I will never forget that face. Those cold, evil eyes and that psychotic smile, they will never leave my head. Police are still on the lookout for this man. If you see anyone that fits the description in this story, please contact your local police department. Jeff and his family had just moved into a new neighborhood. His dad had gotten a promotion at work, and they thought it would be best to live in one of those fancy neighborhoods. Jeff and his brother Lou couldn't complain, though. A new, better house. What's not to love? As they were getting unpacked, one of their neighbors came by. Hello. She said. I'm Barbara, and I live across the street. I just thought I would come introduce myself and my son, Billy. She turns around and calls her son over. Billy, these are our new neighbors. Billy said hi and ran back to play in his yard. Well, said Jeff's mom. I'm Margaret, and this is my husband, Peter. And these are our two sons, Jeff and Lou. We each introduced ourselves, and then Barbara invites us to her son's birthday. Jeff and his brother were about to object when their mother says that they would love to when Jeff and his family are done packing. Jeff goes up to his mom. Mom, why would you invite us to some kid's party? If you haven't noticed, I'm not some dumb kid. Jeff, says his mother. We just moved here. We should show that we want to spend time with our neighbors. Now we're going to that party, and that's final. Jeff starts to talk, but stops himself, knowing that he can't do anything. Whenever his mom says something, it's final. He walks up to his room and plods down on the bed. He sits there, looking at his ceiling, and suddenly he gets a weird feeling. Not so much a pain, but a weird feeling. He dismisses it as just some random feeling. The next day, Jeff walks downstairs to get some breakfast and get ready for school. As he sat there eating his breakfast, he once again got that feeling. This time it was stronger. It gave him a slight tugging pain. But he once again dismissed it. As he and Lou finished breakfast, they walked down to the bus stop. They sat there, waiting for the bus, and then all of a sudden, some kid on a skateboard jumps over them, only inches above their laps. They both jump back in surprise. Hey, what the hell, kid? The kid landed and turned back to them. He kicked his skateboard up and caught it with his hands. The kid seems to be about 12, one year younger than Jeff. He wears an Aeropostale shirt and ripped blue jeans. Well, well, well. It looks like we've got some new meat. Suddenly, two other kids appear. One is super skinny and the other is huge. Since you're new here, I'd like to introduce ourselves. Over there is Keith. Jeff and Lou look over at the skinny kid. He has a dopey face that you'd expect a sidekick to have. And he is Troy. They look over at the fat kid. Talk about a tub of lard. Kid looks like he hasn't been exercising since he was crawling. And I am Randy, says the kid. Now, for all the kids in this neighborhood, there's a small price for bus fare, if you catch my drift. Lou stands up, ready to punch the lights out of this kid's eyes when his two friends pull a knife up to him. I'd hoped you would be more cooperative. But it seems we must do this the hard way. The kid walks up to Lou and takes his wallet out of his pocket. Jeff gets that feeling again. Now it's truly strong, a burning sensation. He stands up, but Lou gestures him to sit down. Jeff ignores it and walks up to the kid. Listen here, you little punk. Give back my bro's wallet or else. 
Randy puts the wallet in his pocket and pulls a knife. Oh? And what will you do? Just as he finishes the sentence, Jeff pops the kid in the nose. As the kid reaches for his face, Jeff grabs the kid's wrist and breaks it. Randy screams and Jeff grabs the knife from his hand. Troy and Keith rush Jeff, but Jeff's too quick. He throws Randy to the ground. Keith lashes out at him, but Jeff ducks and stabs him in the arm. Keith drops his knife and falls to the ground screaming. Troy rushes him too, but Jeff doesn't even need the knife. He just punches Troy straight in the stomach and he goes down. Oof! As he falls, he pukes all over. Luke can do nothing but look on in amazement at Jeff. Jeff, how'd you? That's all he says. They see the bus coming and they know they'll be blamed for the whole thing, so they start running as fast as they can. As they run, they look back and they see the bus driver rushing over to Randy and them. As Jeff and Lou make it to school, they don't dare tell what happened. All they do is sit and listen. Lou just thought of that as his brother beating up a few kids, but Jeff knew it was more. It was something scary. As he got that feeling, he felt how powerful it was, the urge to just hurt someone. He didn't like how it sounded, but he couldn't help feeling happy. He felt that strange feeling go away and stay away for the entire day of school. Even as he walked home due to the whole thing near the bus stop and how he probably won't be taking the bus anymore, he felt happy. When he got home, his parents asked him how his day was, and he said in a somewhat ominous voice, it was a wonderful day. Next morning, he heard a knock at the front door, and he walked down to find two police officers at the door, his mother looking back at him with an angry look. Jeff, these officers tell me that you attacked three kids? That it wasn't regular fighting and that they were stabbed? Stabbed, son? Jeff's gaze fell to the floor, showing his mother that it was true. Mom, they were the ones who pulled the knives on me and Lou. Son, said one of the cops. We found three kids, two stabbed, one having a bruise on his stomach, and we have witnesses proving that you fled the scene. Now what does that tell us? Jeff knew it was no use. He could say him and Lou had been attacked, but there was no proof that it was not them who attacked first. They couldn't say that they weren't fleeing because, truth be told, they were. So Jeff couldn't defend himself. Or Lou. Son, call down your brother. Jeff couldn't do it, since it was him who beat up all the kids. It... it was me. I was the one who beat up the kids. Lou tried to hold me back, but he couldn't stop me. The cop looked at his partner, and they both nod. Well, kid, looks like a year in juvie. Wait, says Lou. We all look up to see him holding a knife. The officers pull their guns and lock them on Lou. It was me. I beat up those little punks. Have the marks to prove it. He lifted up his sleeves to reveal cuts and bruises, as if he was in a struggle. Son, just put the knife down, said the officer. Lou held up the knife and dropped it to the ground. Put his hands up and he walked over to the cops. No, Lou, it was me, I did it. Jeff had tears running down his face. Ah, poor bro. Trying to take the blame for what I did. Well, take me away. The police led Lou out to the patrol car. Lou, tell them it was me, tell them. I was the one who beat those kids. Jeff's mother put her hands on Jeff's shoulder. Jeff, please, you don't have to lie. We know it's Lou. You can stop. Jeff watches helplessly as the cop car speeds off with Lou inside. A few minutes later, Jeff's dad pulls up the driveway, seeing Jeff's face and knowing something's wrong. Son, son, what is it? Jeff can't answer. His vocal cords are strained from crying. Instead, Jeff's mother walks his father inside to break the bad news to him as Jeff weeps in the driveway. After an hour or so, Jeff walks back into the house, seeing that his parents were both shocked, sad, and disappointed. He can't look at them. 
he can't see how they think of Lou when it was his fault. He just goes to sleep, trying to get the whole thing out of his mind. Two days go by, no word from Lou at JDC. No friends to hang out with, nothing but sadness and guilt. That is until Saturday, when Jeff is woken up by his mother with a happy, sunshiny smile. Jeff, it's the day, she says as she opens up the curtain and lets light flood into Jeff's room. What? What's today, says Jeff as he stirs awake. Why, it's Billy's party. Jeff is now fully awake. Mom, you're joking, right? You don't expect me to go to some kid's party after... There's a long pause. Jeff, we both know what happened. I think this party could be the thing that brightens up the past days. Now get dressed. Jeff's mother walks out of the room and walks down to get herself ready. Jeff fights himself to get up. He picks out a random shirt and pair of jeans and walks downstairs. He sees his mother and father all dressed up. His mother's in a dress and his father's in a suit. He thinks, why would they ever wear such fancy clothes to a kid's party? Son, is that what you're going to wear? Says Jeff's mom. Better than wearing too much, he says. His mother pushes down the feeling to yell at him and hides it with a smile. Now, Jeff, we may be overdressed, but this is how you go if you want to make an impression, says his father. Jeff grunts and goes back up to his room. I don't have any fancy clothes, he yells downstairs. Just pick out something, says his mother. He looks around in his closet for what he would call fancy. Finds a pair of black dress pants he has for special occasions and an undershirt. He can't find a shirt to go with it, though. He looks around and finds only striped and patterned shirts, none of which go with the dress pants. Finally, he finds a white hoodie, just laying on a chair, and he puts it on. He walks down the stairs and finds his parents are all ready. You're wearing that? They both say. His mother looks at her watch. Oh, no time to change. Let's go. She says as she herds Jeff and his father out the door. They cross the street over to Barbara and Billy's house. They knock on the door, and at it appears Barbara. Just like Jeff's parents, way overdressed. As they walk inside, all they can see is adults. No kids. The kids are out in the yard playing. Jeff, how about you go and meet them? Says Barbara. Jeff walks outside to a yard full of kids. They're running around in weird cowboy costumes and shooting each other with plastic guns. He might as well be standing in a Toys R Us. Suddenly, a kid comes up to him and hands him a toy gun and hat. Hey, mister. Want to play? He says. Ah, no, kid, I'm way too old for this stuff. The kid looks at him with that weird puppy dog face. Please, says the kid. Fine, says Jeff. He puts on the hat and starts to pretend to shoot the kids. At first, he thinks it's totally ridiculous, but then he starts to actually have fun. It may not be super cool, but it's the first time he's done something that takes his mind off Lou. So he plays with the kids for a while until he hears a noise. It's a weird rolling noise. Then it hits him. Just as it does, Randy, Troy, and Keith all jump over the fence at their skateboards. Jeff drops the fake gun and rips off his hat. Randy looks at Jeff with a burning hatred. Hello. Jeff, is it? He says. We have some unfinished business. Jeff sees the bruised nose on his face. I think we're even. I'd beat the shit out of you and you get my brother sent to JDC. Randy gets an angry look in his eye. Oh no. I don't go for even. I go for winning. You may have kicked our asses that one day, but not today. As he said that, Randy rushes Jeff. They both fall to the ground. Randy punches Jeff in the nose, and Jeff grabs him by the ears and headbutts him. Jeff pushes Randy off of him, and they both rise to their feet. Kids were screaming, and parents were running out of the house. Troy and Keith both pull guns out of their pockets. No one interrupts, or guts will fly, they say. 
Randy pulls a knife on Jeff and stabs it into his shoulder. Jeff screams and falls to his knees. Randy starts kicking him in the face. After three kicks though, Jeff grabs his foot and twists it, causing Randy to fall to the ground. Jeff stands up and walks towards the back door. Troy grabs him though. Need some help? He picks Jeff up by the back of his collar and throws him through the patio door. As Jeff tries to stand, he's kicked down to the ground. Randy repeatedly starts kicking Jeff until he starts to cough up blood. Come on, Jeff. Fight me. He picks Jeff up and throws him into the kitchen. Randy sees a bottle of vodka on the counter and smashes the glass over Jeff's head. Fight! He throws Jeff back into the living room. Jeff glances up, his face riddled with blood. I was the one who got your brother sent to JDC. And now you're just going to sit here and let him rot for a whole year? You should be ashamed. Jeff starts to get up. Oh, finally you stand and fight. Jeff is now to his feet, blood and vodka on his face. Once again, he gets that strange feeling, the one in which he hasn't felt for a while. Finally, he's up, says Randy as he runs at Jeff. That's when it happens. Something inside of Jeff snaps. His psyche is destroyed. All rational thinking is gone. All he can do is kill. He grabs Randy and pile drives him into the ground, gets on top of him and starts punching him straight in the heart. The punch causes Randy's heart to stop. As Randy gasps for breath, Jeff hammers down on him. Punch after punch, blood gushes from Randy's body until he takes one final breath and dies. Everyone is looking at Jeff now. The parents, the crying kids, even Troy and Keith, although they easily break from their gaze and point their guns at Jeff. Jeff sees the guns trained on him and runs for the stairs. As he runs, Troy and Keith let out fire on him, each shot missing. Jeff runs up the stairs. He hears Troy and Keith follow up behind as they let out their final rounds of bullets. Jeff ducks into the bathroom. He grabs the towel rack and rips it off the wall. Troy and Keith race in, knives ready. Troy swings his knife at Jeff, who backs away and bangs the towel rack into Troy's face. Troy goes down hard. And now all that's left is Keith. He's more agile than Troy and ducks when Jeff swings the towel rack. He drops the knife and grabs Jeff by the neck. He pushes him into the wall. On the top shelf, a thing of bleach fell down on top of him. It burned both of them and they started to scream. Jeff wiped his eyes as best he could. He pulled back the towel rack and swung it straight to Keith's head. As he lay there bleeding to death, he let out an ominous smile. What's so funny? asked Jeff. Keith pulled out a lighter and switched it on. What's funny? he said. Is that you're covered in bleach and alcohol. Jeff's eyes widened as Keith threw the lighter at him. As soon as the flames made contact with him, the flames ignited the alcohol and the vodka. While the alcohol burned him, the bleach bleached his skin. Jeff let out a terrible screech as he caught on fire. He tried to roll out of the fire, but it was no use. The alcohol made him a walking inferno. He ran down the hall and fell down the stairs. Everyone started screaming as they saw Jeff. Now a man on fire dropped to the ground, nearly dead. The last thing Jeff saw was his mother and the other parents trying to extinguish the flames. That's when he passed out. When Jeff woke, he had a cast wrapped around his face. He couldn't see anything, but he felt the cast on his shoulder and stitches all over his body. He tried to stand up, but he realized that there were some tubes in his arm. When he tried to get up, it fell out, and a nurse rushed in. I don't think you can get out of bed just yet, she said as she put him back in his bed and reinserted the tube. Jeff sat there with no vision, no idea of what his surroundings were. Finally, after hours, he heard his mother. Honey, 
Are you okay? She asked. Jeff couldn't answer, though. His face was covered, and he was unable to speak. Oh, honey, I have great news. After all their witnesses told the police that Randy attacked you, he confessed. They decided to let Lou go. This made Jeff almost bolt up, stopping halfway, remembering the tube coming out of his arm. He'll be out by tomorrow, and then you two will be able to be together again. Jeff's mother hugs Jeff and says her goodbyes. The next couple of weeks were those where Jeff was visited by his family. Then came the day where his bandages were to be removed. His family were all there to see it, what he would look like. As the doctors unwrapped the bandages from Jeff's face, everyone was on the edge of their seats. They waited until the last bandage holding the cover over his face was almost removed. Let's hope for the best, said the doctor. He quickly pulls the cloth, letting the rest fall from Jeff's face. Jeff's mother screams oh at the sight of his face. Lou and Jeff's dad stare awestruck at his face. What? What happened to my face? Jeff said. He rushed out of bed and ran to the bathroom. He looked in the mirror and saw the cause of the distress. His face. It. It's horrible. His lips were burnt to a deep shade of red. His face was turned into a pale white color and his hair singed from brown to black. He slowly put his hand to his face. It had a sort of leathery feel to it now. He looked back at his family and then back at the mirror. Jeff, said Lou. It's not that bad. Not that bad, said Jeff. It's perfect. His family were equally surprised. Jeff started laughing uncontrollably. His parents noticed that his left eye and hand were twitching. Uh, Jeff, are you okay? Okay? I've never felt more happy. Look at me. This face goes perfectly with me. He couldn't stop laughing. He stroked his face, feeling it, looking at it in the mirror. What caused this? Well, you may recall that when Jeff was fighting Randy, something in his mind, his sanity, snapped. Now he was left as a crazy killing machine. But his parents didn't know. Doctor? Said Jeff's mom. Is my son all right? You know, in the head? Oh, yes. This behavior is typical for patients that have taken very large amounts of painkillers. If his behavior doesn't change in a few weeks, bring him back here and we'll give him a psychological test. Oh, thank you, doctor. Jeff's mother went over to Jeff. Jeff, sweetie, it's time to go. Jeff looked away from the mirror. His face still formed into a crazy smile. Okay, mommy. <laughs> Jeff's mother grabbed him by his shoulder and took him to get his clothes. That's what he came in, said the lady at the desk. Jeff's mother looked down to see the black dress pants and white hoodie her son wore. Now they were clean of blood and stitched together. Jeff's mother led him to his room and made him put his clothes on. Then they left, not knowing that this was their final day of life. Later that night, Jeff's mother woke to a sound coming from the bathroom. It sounded as if someone was crying. She slowly walked over to see what it was. When she looked into the bathroom, she saw a horrendous sight. Jeff had taken a knife and carved a smile into his cheeks. Jeff, what are you doing? Asked his mother. Jeff looked over to his mother. I couldn't keep smiling, Mom. He had hurt after a while. Now I can smile forever. Jeff's mother noticed his eyes, ringed in black. Jeff, your eyes. His eyes were bordered by black, seemingly never closing. I couldn't see my face. I got tired and my eyes started to close. So I burned the eyelids so I could forever see myself, my new face. Jeff's mother slowly started to back away, seeing that her son was going insane. What's wrong, Mommy? Aren't I beautiful? 
Yes, son. She said. Yes, you are. Let me go get your dad so he can see your face. She ran into the room and shook Jeff's dad from his sleep. Honey, get the gun. She stopped. She saw Jeff in the doorway holding a knife. Mommy, you lied. That's the last thing to hear as Jeff rushes them with the knife, gutting both of them. His brother Lou woke up, startled by some noise. He didn't hear anything else, so he just shut his eyes and tried to go back to sleep. As he was on the border of slumber, he got the strangest feeling that someone was watching him. He looked up. Before Jeff's hand covered his mouth, he slowly raised the knife, ready to plunge it into Lou. Lou thrashed here and there, trying to escape Jeff's grip. Shh, Jeff said. Just go to sleep. This podcast was recorded by Haptic. M.T. Goins from the Delivery Podcast. George Heffler from the Best Little Horror House in Philly. Isaac Ocean from The Bunker. Kay from Fuck My Work Life Podcast. Richard Wilson from Tremorphonic. Kara and Kelly from Drunk Theory. Brad LeBaron from the Album Concept Hour. And Cynthia Boer from Couch on the Couch. Edited by Haptic. And produced by Kevin Caravan and Flyover State Park. I want to thank everyone listed for your help. This episode would not have been possible without your help. I especially want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. You're why we do what we do, and we are endlessly thankful for you supporting us while we pursue this little dream of ours. For more episodes, head over to listen.throughthefogcast.com or follow Haptic on Twitter at fog underscore cast. To support the show, head to coffee.throughthefogcast.com or simply rate and review on your podcatcher of choice. It really is the simplest way to support independent creators like us. Thank you for tuning in. Through the Fog will return this Wednesday at 5 p.m. CST with an all-new episode. Have a safe Thanksgiving and talk to you next time. State Park, you are clear to land.